wouldn't it be cool if I could just do a backflip right now? I can't, so we're not going to do it. It'd be my last Sunday. We'd, uh, we'd have a new hospital ministry. Anyway, um, flowers are in celebration of Theron Krigo's life. We celebrated that yesterday, and that was a life worth celebrating, so that was uh, a good a good celebration. Well, we're, we're going to have uh, some fun here today. We're going to start with some popcorn, and I just happen to have four, so you guys just happen to be, if you could pass that down. Yeah, I, I just gave uh, Myron just a small little little dish, okay? Because, again, you know, this is special. This, this is Sunday, okay? So, um, wanted to treat you guys, but before uh, I, I have you get going, I was going to salt things up a little bit because really the reason you eat popcorn is because it's nice and salty, right? You know, don't you love salt? I do. Yeah, and I've learned uh, the salt queen here. Yeah, I've, I've loved to, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, but before I pour it on, um, I need to give you a little background. This particular salt shaker, um, we had some ant issues, little, little small ants. So they weren't big ones. And, and they did crawl into the container, but I think I got them all. I think I did, okay? And then we couldn't get rid of them, so we called the exterminator, and, and I forgot to cover it up. I did. So, uh, but I read, and, and the poison that they used to kill the little ants, it's not very toxic for humans. So, so that's the good news. So, um, I guess I should ask, would you still like some salt? You might you might have an ant. It might have a little poison in it, but but yeah. Okay, okay. There you go. No, but you're gonna pass. Uh, you're gonna pass down there. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Nice job. I, I appreciate uh, your your bravery, your courage. Yeah. There you go. Um, the, the truth is, most of us pass three quarters. Uh, uh, yeah, I really like salt, but not if it's contaminated with perhaps ants and poison. No, but it's okay. You're brave. Yeah, there you go. Here, here's the point of this goofy little thought here, Michael. Um, Jesus talks about salt getting contaminated. Did you know that? In Matthew chapter 5. So locate that on your phone, in your Bible. We'll put it up here on the screen for you, Henry. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to talk about salt and what happens when salt gets contaminated. If you're able, would you stand with me? Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16. We're going to declare God's word right out loud together. Before the Lord, this is your book, Lord, and to each other. Okay, ready? Verse 13. Let's do that together. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word. It's alive. It's a lamp for our feet. It's a light for our path. 
Lord, we, we don't really even know where to walk in this dark world without your lamp, the Bible. So thank you for it. I pray, Lord, that right now you would uh, shine a light on these verses that we just read out loud. Lord, uh, we need to be able to understand what it is that Jesus was saying here. But perhaps more important, we want to know what they mean to us. So we invite your spirit, Jesus, the third person of the Trinity, to come today in your church, because this is your church. We welcome you. Come and speak and nudge and whisper and encourage and teach us, Lord. We need lots of things from your book here today. It's in Jesus' awesome and mighty name we pray all these things. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one strong, unified voice, Amen. you can be seated. You might or might not remember, but this last fall, we spent eight weeks looking at what's called the Beatitudes, okay? Uh, that would be verses 1 to 12, Matthew chapter 5. Uh, the inner heart qualities that Jesus is looking for in his followers. And he says, if you have these present, I'm going to bless. I'm going to bless your life. I'm going to reward you if you keep these qualities going in your life. And let's just work through the Beatitudes, starting in verse 3. God blesses the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God blesses those who mourn. For they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble. They'll inherit the earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be filled. God blesses those who are merciful. For they will be shown mercy. God blesses those who work for peace. They'll be called children of God. Blesses, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. For the kingdom of God is theirs. Okay? Uh, now, beginning in verse 13, track with me, Jesus goes beyond the inner heart qualities of his disciples. And now he's going to start addressing how we should live and think and speak and behave. Are you tracking with me? So you got verses 1 to 12. That's all about what's going on on the inside. And now Jesus is going to challenge us. Uh, now that you've got that going on, and I'm rewarding it. This is how you should behave. This is how you should act in a world that's watching, okay? So the world is watching us. You know that, right? And now, starting in verse 13, he's going to say, now I want to show you how you should live. And really what he has to say now, verse 13, it's, it's all flipped up. And that's the reason for uh, the... Uh, title of our sermon. Literally, Jesus' teaching, uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, flips everything upside down from the way the world normally sees things, okay? And, and honestly, uh, what Jesus has to say, it flips things upside down for how we normally think and what we think should be going on in our lives, okay? Um, here's the truth. Down through church history, the church has typically gravita gravitated toward one of two extremes. Track with me, okay? Here we go. Uh, first extreme, 
we withdraw into cloistered monasteries, okay? Uh, literally, we hermetically seal ourselves off, uh, kind of walls of protection, run away from most contact with the unsaved world. Why? Because they might contaminate me. I might catch something. Sin is contagious, and I might catch it, so I'm going to wall myself out, and uh, I'm fearful that I might get contaminated, Henry. Uh, favorite verse for these folks, come out from among them and be ye separate. You ever heard that voice, that verse before? Yeah. Uh, and, and these folks, here's my question. I wonder how many of you have sinners in your life who would call you friends? Because Jesus was a friend of... I'll give you another run at that because you're really like... What? Uh, because Jesus was a friend of, as a matter of fact, he got criticized. What are you doing? Who do you think you are? Here's my observation. Uh, this was the church I grew up in. This extreme was most common back in the days when I was growing up in church. Uh, keep rules, have standards, expectations, uh, fairly legalistic. And if you keep all your rules and regulations, then you can know you're holy. So I'm, I'm doing pretty good because I'm keeping away from all that stuff and, and I'm obeying the rules and the laws, okay? So that's one extreme Jesus is going to warn us, stay away from. The second extreme is the exact opposite. Um, it's where followers of Jesus in this fallen world, slowly begin to live and speak and behave just like the world. Okay? And he's going to talk about that because uh, we're listening to the same music that our unsafe family and friends are listening to. We stream the same movies on Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, and YouTube as our unsafe family and friends. Um, we're literally doing everything they do, and the truth is, there's really not much of a difference. Now, the favorite verse of these folks is, judge not lest you be judged. Okay, don't judge me, because if you judge me, I'm going to turn around and judge you, okay? Uh, we hang out and go places that are a little iffy, um, but you know, I've got freedom. Now, Many people would look at these folks and say, I don't think they're a Jesus follower. I don't think they know Christ because there's no difference in how they speak and what they do and what they're all about than what I am. Here's an observation, okay? 2022, I find this extreme is most common today, okay? The other one was really, that's my opinion, was much more when I was growing up. And this extreme... Uh, is more for today. Now, here's what's interesting. Jesus, early on, greatest sermon ever preached, points out both extremes and says, I want you to avoid either extreme. Okay? Uh, and I believe in our flesh, without Jesus and his spirit moving in us, we are prone to go one extreme or the other. And depending on your personality, that's probably you're probably one way or the, either closed off from the unchurched world and trying to hide from any friendship with anybody who doesn't know Jesus, or 
Um, you're so comfortable and cozy in the world that nobody can see you're different. Okay? So, let's go back to the text now. And I want to show you, that's what Jesus is talking about as we begin. Verse 13. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? <laughs> it's, it's just good for being thrown out and trampled underfoot. It's, it's worthless. Salt in biblical times was primarily used to preserve meat. Okay? Uh, if you slaughtered a cow or a lamb or brought down a deer, um, here's the truth. You ready? This is, this is big. Uh, no ice, no freezers, no refrigerators in biblical times. You know that, right? Okay? So they had none of that. So unless you're going to throw a party if you slaughter um, a cow, um, you're, you're going to have to throw a party and get rid of it all because it's not going to last. Um, you had to use the animal. You, and the only way that you could preserve meat was to salt it down, literally cover it in heavy salt or soak, soak it in a salt brine solution. That's how you preserved meat. It kept it from spoiling. It kept it from being rancid and putrid. I remember one time uh, the Ellis family was on vacation we were gone a week or so, and we got home, and as soon as you opened the door, uh, we said, something died downstairs. There, there is some animal that has died, and sure enough, uh, when we got downstairs, there were several animals that had died. Our freezer had failed, and that meant all the meat in the freezer was awful. <laughs> it was rancid. It was putrid. So what do you do with meat that's been at room temperature for a week? What do you, what do, you do with it? You throw it away quickly, bury it, okay? Uh, and that's exactly what we wound up doing. Look back at verse 13. That's what Jesus said. Uh, salt is who we are as followers of Jesus. It's our testimony. It's, it's who we are. It's our very nature as followers of Jesus to be salty and flavor our conversations with Jesus. That's what he's saying, okay? We're called to spread the salt of Jesus and his gospel everywhere we go, okay? But there's a warning, okay? Uh, what good is salt if it loses its flavor, right, Kathy? What's good? What good is it? Uh, can you make salt salty again? Okay. Now, here's what you need to know. Salt, if, if left alone, is incredibly stable. Now, I read several commentators on this, and their point is salt doesn't really go bad. The only way that salt goes bad and loses its flavor is if it gets contaminated with ants and poison and other things, right? Okay, that's the only way it goes bad, okay? So Jesus is writing here, verse 13, about the first extreme, okay? We're prone to, as followers of Jesus, if we're not very careful and walk closely with Christ, the temptation is to adapt to this fallen sinful world, okay? 
And we adapt and we slowly become like this world so much that our salt gets dirty, that our salt gets contaminated, and now we've lost the flavor of our salt, and it damages and dirties our testimony. It, it, it really does. When followers of Jesus become so ingrained in this world system, track with me, give me your eyes, that we begin to live and speak and think and behave like the unsaved folks around us, um, and they're looking at us and they're saying, Truthfully, I don't see any difference in how you live, how you speak, uh, what you're all about. There's really not much of a difference between how you live and how I do. Here's what Jesus said. Look at 5.13. Uh, when your salt is no longer salty, it's worthless. You're no longer making a difference. You think you might be, but I'm telling you, your life is not making a difference for King Jesus. Okay? For salt to be effective and valuable, it has to stay pure and clean. Can I say that again? For salt to be effective and make a difference, it needs to stay clean and pure. And now some of you are thinking, oh, you're saying we got to live perfectly, right? First John says this, anybody who claims they are without sin is a liar. Okay? So here's this first truth. We all fall short. We all sin. Okay? But what I think 1 John is saying to us, but don't stay dirty long. Okay? So when you fall and blow it, and you've sinned, thought, word, deed, quickly do the U-turn. Okay? So you can lay in the mud, or you can get up, run to the cross, Write the check of confession. If you're a follower of Jesus, your account's already been marked. Paid in full. Is that not great? Paid in full by Jesus. Now I'm going to write the check of confession and call it the same thing the Lord calls it. It's sin. Lord, wash, cleanse, purify me. Are you ready? And now your salt is clean again. <laughs> we have the ability through Jesus Christ and his shed blood to get clean and pure, okay? So here's my question. How's your salt looking today? How's your salt? When people are watching you, do they see and hear and experience Jesus with your words, your actions, your moods? Or is it possible you've allowed your salt to get dirty? You've gotten so close and involved and comfortable in the world that your salt is pretty dirty and it's really not effective. It's, it's pretty worthless. First extreme, slowly drift and adapt and getting our salt dirty. Second extreme, it's exactly the opposite of the first one. Um, and we're going to look at that starting in verse 14. Here we go. Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop, it can't be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a bushel or a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the home. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. 
in an effort to not get entangled with this fallen world, some Christians down, and this is down through church history, that's the purpose of monasteries and monks, because they thought if we withdraw from the world, we can stay holy, okay? So if we withdraw into our shells like a turtle and wall ourselves off from non-Christians around us, then I can live strong for Jesus, okay? That's the other extreme that he's talking about. And Jesus says pretty clearly here, look, look again, verses 14 to 16, your job here on earth, my disciples, anybody who knows me is, follows me, your chief duty is to let my, my light inside of you shine through you. You tracking? So your chief job Everywhere you go is to allow the light of Jesus to shine through you and brighten up and illuminate the love and the reality of Jesus everywhere you go, okay? Because here's the truth. The world can't see Jesus unless they see him through us. Does that make sense? We are his light bulbs, okay? Um, John chapter 8 and verse 12, here's what Jesus says. John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't walk in darkness because you'll have the light that leads to life. Okay, I'm the light of the world. Now notice, go back to this text, Matthew 5, 14. What does Jesus declare to us? John 5, 14, you are the light of the world. So which is it? <laughs> so is Jesus the light of the world? Or are his followers, disciples, the light of the world? And the answer is both. Both. <laughs> let, me, let me maybe try to explain it this way. Um, here in the village, we have Consumers Energy. They're the power company. Um, used to be called Top of Michigan. What's it called now? What is it again? Great Lakes Energy, sorry about that. Okay, so it's not Top Lake. But the, the energy company, Great Lakes or consumers, they generate, track with me, the power to light up your house. But can I explain something to you in case you don't know this? They don't actually light up your house. You have to build a house. You have to hire an electrician. Henry, they got to wire it. Um, you got to put in sockets. You, you got to go somewhere, Meyer, and buy some lights, you know. And you don't forget the bulbs and put the bulbs in. And then you put it in. And guess what? Now the power that they've supplied can actually light up your house. The same is true for us, okay? Jesus is the energy company, okay? Jesus supplies the power, but do you want to know something? We have to buy the bulbs and the lights and get our houses wired and now get connected to the power source, and now we are his light bulbs. Does that make sense? So we are his light bulbs. He's the empowering one working through us, and now he's saying, okay, I'm going to give you all the power you'll ever need, okay? And now I want your bulbs to shine everywhere you go. We are God's plan for shining Jesus to the folks 
who need to know him. Okay? Or as somebody said, I don't know who said this, but you and I are the only Bible that some people will ever read. We are. They're just not going to open up God's book, but they're watching you and they're listening to us, and we're the only Bible that some folks will ever read. So he's saying, don't you dare take my light that I'm giving you the power to shine. Don't you dare take that light and cover it up. Don't go into her medical ceiling. I, I want you to shine bright, church. I want you to shine bright everywhere you go for me. So, here's my question. Why, most of the time, are most of us prone to hiding the gospel? Most of us, just the truth, most of the time are pretty reluctant to talk about and shine the best thing we've ever experienced, which is Jesus. Okay? So why is that? Okay? I'm going to suggest five things, five reasons why we don't shine our lights very often. Okay, you might want to write this down somewhere. Here we go. Um, first reason we hide the gospel, we're afraid that we might offend somebody. We're afraid if I talk about Jesus too clearly, too loudly, uh, someone might react poorly. Um, I might uh, say something that they don't like. I risk being rejected, therefore I stay quiet oftentimes and say nothing. I would, I would ask, let's suppose you and I have Justin the cure for cancer, okay? We truly have, uh, the Lord's made it clear, and let's just assume that the Lord's given us the cure for cancer. By the way, cancer kills every year over 600,000 people, okay? So this would be huge, okay? And now you hold in your hand, Justin, the cure for cancer, this terminal disease, okay? People you know, people you love have cancer. Are you going to stay quiet about that? Think about it. You've got the cure, um, but, but if you speak up about your cure, some of them might not believe you. Some of them might get upset. How dare you come with your cure? I think this is the cure instead. But here's the truth. If we truly had the cure for cancer, I think we'd be speaking up everywhere we went because uh, it's huge. Maybe save 600,000 people a year. And here's the point. Death without Jesus is terminal. Did you know that? It's eternally terminal. And it's about time we got over ourselves and began to speak up about the best thing that's ever happened to us, which is Jesus Christ, okay? Life without Jesus is eternally terminal, and if we really believe that, it's time we start speaking up. Second reason why uh, we put our lights under a bowl is uh, we're too busy. We're just too, I'm busy, I'm scheduled, I'm worn out, I, I just can't share Jesus because my life is just too full. And the truth is we've grown callous and indifferent to the lostness of the world. But here's what I find interesting, okay? We find time for Netflix and podcasts 
and YouTube and Wordle. Check Wordle. It's the on fire word game. Um, if we time, find time for football and hockey and the Olympics, and we can't find time to talk about Jesus and live Jesus around those living in the dark around us, it's really not a I'm too busy issue. It's a that's not my priority issue. Isn't that true? If, if we find time for all the other things, but don't, don't find time to share Jesus, it's, it's a priority issue. Third reason we're too often hiding Jesus in us is because we don't know what to say, okay? And, and I, I think that's really true. We're afraid someone might ask me a question that I don't know the answer to. Somebody might, might call me, and, I, and here's the truth. We're called to be witnesses. We're not called all to be theologians. Most of us don't have a master's or a doctorate in theology. I get that. We're called to talk about what we've seen and heard and know. So when I'm talking about Jesus, I'm not called to talk about doctrines and theology I'm just called to share, I was living this way, and Jesus got a hold of my life, and he's changed me, and he'll change you too. Do you understand? We're called to share what we've seen and what we've heard, okay? Um, and if you don't know the answer to a question, here's a great answer, okay? Somebody asked me a hard question. What is the hypostatic union, Pastor Jeff? And I say, um, I don't really remember. It's a great question, but I'll get back to you. Give me a few days, and I'll go get a good answer. And uh, if you need some help, go talk to Myron. He'll study with you. Uh, talk to Pastor Brandt. Uh, he does have a master's in theology. Pastor Chad, uh, Jason, John Jones, all you can talk to me too, okay? So it's okay to say, I don't know the answer to that question, but I'll get back to you. Fourth reason we don't speak up much for Jesus, we're reluctant, is because our salt is dirty. <laughs> We've got dirty salt. We know that uh, our salt in this world has gotten pretty, pretty contaminated, okay? And if we're not in the habit of quickly doing the U-turn, okay, I've fallen, and we're not in the habit of quickly running to Jesus and confessing, and writing the check of confession and getting clean, here's the truth, that besetting and tangling sin that's still active in my life makes me feel like a hypocrite. So if my salt's dirty, and now I know I'm supposed to talk, but, but I feel hypocritical because I'm talking to somebody that Jesus will save your soul and wash your sin, but I'm still struggling with this sin or that. So how, how do you do that? Okay, I, I would just say once again, get in the habit of quickly quit laying there in sin, quickly run to the cross, quickly confess, quickly ask the Lord to wash and cleanse and purify. I promise you, give me your eyes, I'll give you one of mine, um, it's much easier to share about Jesus when you're in right relationship. So, so when we're living out of relationship, it's really tough to share and shine bright. So 
quickly get back in right relationship with Christ. And, and it really makes you free to talk about Christ. Fifth and final reason we don't allow the light of Jesus to shine and illuminate wherever we go. Because we're a little afraid to get too close to folks who don't know Jesus. Because they might contaminate me. They, they might, they might uh, have a bad influence on me. And then they'll cause me to be a sinner. In, in other words, um, if I hang with someone who has a drinking problem and they're always getting drunk, drunk I think I might uh, start drinking and I have a problem too. Or someone uh, who I need to talk about, they, they have a cursing, swearing, their, their mouth is foul, I might begin to allow obscene words to flow from my lips too. Okay? So how do you respond to that? John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20 is clear and strong. Okay? Here's what it says. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light. For their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light, refuse to go near it, for their sins will be exposed. Okay? Light illuminates darkness. Okay? Check with me. We got the power company, Jesus Christ, and he's empowering us to light up for him. Okay? So everywhere we go, we're lights of Jesus, um, and he's empowering us to light up the darkness. And here's the truth. The reason people who don't know Jesus aren't happy to see us when we're living strong is they don't want their darkness exposed. They, they feel sinful because they're around the bright light. Okay? What I'm saying to you is this. Unchurched Harry and Mary living in darkness should be way more afraid of us than we are of them. Do you understand? Because we've got the power of Jesus empowering us. And now everywhere we go, we're, we're living strong for him. I'm not talking about being mean or obnoxious. I'm just talking about living in a loving, kind way and living strong for Jesus. Here's the truth. Jesus has strategically placed you and me in the best place for us to shine bright for him, okay? He's put you in a specific dark corner and said, okay, now you're going to be my lamp in that dark corner where you are, okay? You, you are positioned perfectly to be the LED lamp for Jesus Christ, exactly where he wants you. He's got the power station on, and he says, I've intentionally placed you, Myron, exactly where I want you there. Um, I, I want you there in Bayview, and I want you to shine best for the advancement of my kingdom, okay? Shine where King Jesus has placed you, okay? Right exactly where he has you there in Myers, Henry. I want you to shine bright because I placed you intentionally there. Verse 16. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Okay? Good deeds, Greek word kalos, means good quality 
beautiful. We're supposed to be shining good deeds, attractive works of compassion and caring everywhere we go. That's our light. We're, we're shining good stuff everywhere we go. Let your light shine. Two extremes, okay? Let's go back to the big point here. Two extremes that Jesus warns us about. If you're not careful, we naturally gravitate one extreme or the other. Be sure, first of all, verse 13, keep your salt clean and uncontaminated. Watch out that you don't so join this world's dark activities that you're making your salt worthless and ineffective. That's one extreme. Second extreme, verses 14 to 16. Be sure to get your life connected to the power source. That's huge, okay? Live strong with the power source in mind, and then wherever you go, once you're connected daily to Jesus, refuse to hide your light, okay? He, he's specifically placed you exactly where you need to be. Don't seal yourself off from the darkness. <laughs> Shine bright, church. I'm going to go to each section. Shine bright, church. Hey, church, shine bright. Quit hiding it. Shine bright for King Jesus. He has you exactly where you're supposed to be. Quit hiding it. Shine. Let's pray. I'd invite you just to pause for a moment. Would you invite the Lord, 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 where am I at when it comes to salt and light? I'm listening. Make it clear. So the question is, how have you been doing recently? Have you been rubbing the salt of Jesus into the world around you? And sometimes uh, the truth is, darkness doesn't like the salt. Or, or is it possible that your salt's been getting dirty and needs cleaning? Has your light been shining bright for Jesus? Have you been daily getting connected to the power company? You've been hiding your light under a bowl. I think Jesus is saying enough with the excuses. I want you to keep fessed up with me. And when you fall and fail, and we all do from time to time, we just say, Lord, I, I need to make it my habit in life to quickly do the U-turn and run to the cross. Call it the same and get clean and fessed up. 
Help me, Lord, to reflect you well, because I've got family members and friends. I've got people I work with. I've got people at school, in the neighborhood, on the ball field. Lord, everywhere I go, I'm, I'm the only Bible they're ever going to read. Lord, would you help me today? Thank you, Lord, for the greatest sermon ever preached. Thank you, Lord, that uh, you say things and challenge us to move in directions that we would never do on our own. So thank you for these words inspired and preserved for us exactly as you intended. Help us this week ahead, Lord. We need to be salty, preserving the folks around us, we need to be shining bright for you as well. We love you. It's good to be together today in your church. And finally, Lord, I don't want to close without talking about folks who maybe don't know your son. They're not a follower of Jesus. They have no power source. They have no salt. Would you speak to them, Lord? There's somebody here watching online. The light of the world is willing to come into your life. Think about that. And he'll brighten up, brighten up and illuminate your life. And the old will be gone and the new has come. So, so how, how do you do that? Are you ready? The gospel is comprised of facts. Jesus left the glory and splendor of heaven. He did that for you and me. I believe that. Jesus, you lived a sinless life. And therefore, you alone uniquely are qualified to be the sinless lamb of God. And Jesus, therefore, when you took my place on the cross, you, you did that for me. And Jesus... I believe you shed your blood for my sin problem. You took my place in the grave. And Jesus, I believe early Sunday morning, you literally bodily, physically rose from the dead. And I believe you did that for me. Okay? Those are the facts. I believe those facts for me. And right now, Jesus, by faith, I open the door of my life and I receive you as my Savior my king, my boss, my friend. Come light up my life, Jesus. I'm ready to follow you. I want to be salty and preserve the world around me for your sake. If you're watching online, you can hit that button. We'd love to pray with you, celebrate. We'll send you some good materials to get you started off on your journey. If you're here today, make your way to the prayer corner. Same thing. We'll rejoice. We'll get you a Bible. We'll get you some materials. Get you going on your journey. Thank you, Lord, for loving us so much. Help us to follow strong as your salt and light. It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things.